When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I've never been this nervous in my life. Greetings from Longtime No See the Podcast. Every week we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! <laughs> what would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on. A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my god, Jack almost fell off his chair. <laughs> be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Are you ready for season three of Discography? Yeah! We're jumping into the deep end of The Who. Not only will we go through every Studio Who album in great detail, but their story is often told between albums, so we'll be touching on non-album singles, the solo works of Keith Moon, John Entwistle, Roger Daltrey, and Pete Townsend, and some of the events that would make a record begin as a concept and land as something that would universally change the world. Discography returns to Consequence Podcast Network in January of 2019. Until then, be lucky. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with. It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. If you're not a subscriber already, what are you doing? Have you listened to this more than once? Go ahead. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button right now. You know, we put out interviews every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, every week at Consequence of Sound, and uh, that's a lot to keep up on. So so hit subscribe so you don't miss any of those. And really, you can do it anywhere you're listening right now, uh, anywhere you get your favorite podcast from, whether that's iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, even if you're listening on YouTube or Spotify. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest is Greg Adonito of The Bouncing Souls. They are back with a brand new EP called Crucial Moments that ties into a book of the same name that all ties in to the 30th anniversary of the band. We're going to hear all about how those early days specifically influenced the writing of the record, what it took to put the book together, and that trick of playing with nostalgia. And since we're doing the anniversaries, you know, it's one of my favorite things. We'll talk about a couple other records that's doing their big round anniversaries, like uh, their first official LP, which is kind of a compilation of EPs, The Good, The Bad, and The Argyle, turning 25 this year. They covered the song uh, What Boys Like at a time 
when people were pushing the envelope of uh, something that was in the national conversation. We'll also talk about the Hopeless Romantic record that came out in 1999 at a time when uh, punk pop was at its peak and how, at the time, the Bouncing Souls had some fighting words for Blink-182. They're friends these days. It's cool. We'll hear about what makes Jersey songwriters write those big old anthems and get some insight in what they're planning for their live set for this tour. It's Kyle Meredith with the Bouncing Souls. Hi, Kyle. How are you? Well, let's start up, man. Uh, let me give you the congratulations. Crucial moments. Even as an EP, this is one of the most fun records I've heard this year. I'm having a blast with it. Awesome. That's great to hear. I really appreciate that. This ties in with the 30th anniversary. Is that right? Yes. So this year is our 30th anniversary. So we recorded an EP and we are releasing a book. Or Actually, now it just came out last week. So it's like a, a one package deal. The EP is called Crucial Moments, and the book is called Crucial Moments, 30 Years of Life with the Bouncing Soul. So you can get it together or uh, separately. So the book has been obviously 30 years in the making, but um, you know we were amassing material for it for like years. And, and so that's really awesome to have that now. We've been talking about making a book for like maybe about 10 years. So it's fun that we have the finished product and it looks great and we're stoked about it. Yeah, now it's pictures. Is there also... Uh... I, I don't I should say, are there also words? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, that's a good way to put it because it's not like a linear story. So what we did was we had sort of testimonials, I guess you'd call it, or like just sort of snapshots of uh, of people who care about the band. Uh, you know, we figured, you know, we don't want to write it. Everybody, we've told our story a million times. So that's boring. Let's see if anyone wants to tell a story about us or about the music or about an experience at a show like we would really just encourage people to just write about anything that was significant related to the bouncing souls in their lives so we have a real cross-section of people like friends uh, you know fellow musicians just bands people who love the band and um i think it it's a loose linear timeline we open the book it's obviously it's from the we start kind of from our beginnings and some of the earlier stories so it's a loose timeline but it's also just kind of like a tip of the iceberg to tell the story of our 30-year adventure i know you know sorting through memories like that and especially getting you know, uh, stories uh, you know, firsthand and secondhand from other people outside of the band uh, can can mm-hmm. bring up a lot that maybe some artists don't remember. And I've, I've heard about that. Does does anything win the uh, the most surprising find award for you? Were, were you like, you know, oh, I um, didn't know that at all? <laughs> yeah, there was mostly photos. Like, you know, we would get photos from started collecting all this stuff. And I guess one of the most interesting stories is about a good bud of ours who we went to high school with. And he sort of like was probably our first. He was like our first roadie, like that kind of good friend who was always there supporting us. He was there at our first gig. We played a battle of bands at this like high school next to the high school we went. Right. So he remembered this was just a couple of years ago. He remembered he was like, there was a guy there that was taking photos. And he like did this crazy Sherlock Holmes thing, found this guy who's living in Texas, right? He saw, I don't know how he did it, but he like got, you know, he, he knew some people at the school that he went to and like talked to them. Finally, it's like, oh, yeah, someone was like, that's, that's this guy. This is his name. You know, found him. Finally gets his contact info, reaches out to him. And he's like, hey, you're the guy you took, you know, photos of the Bouncing Souls at this battle, the bands in 1989. <laughs> 
And this is the funny part. So the guy's like, yeah, it's me. And he's like, oh, great. You know, I'm with Chris McGowan. I want to, like, do this retrospective thing, get the photos and make prints. And, and the guy's like, oh, okay. And then he's, like, negotiates, like, a price with them. And he's like, really, man? You're going to make you know, make me pay you for these? He's, like, not even a photographer, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it is insane, one, that you could track someone down like that. But, but two, that this guy has still even got the goods at this point. I mean, you know, I, yeah. I, I'll even – I'll even grab a quote, and it's sort of taking a little bit out of context of what we're talking about here. But, you know, back when you guys started, there's a quote you said, you know, there was no Internet and no chance of making money as a punk band. I mean, pre-Internet age, for someone to still be holding on to pictures from my high school battle of the band, I don't know if that's good on him or a little bit sad. <laughs> yeah, a strange character, no doubt. Yeah, but, but you know, lucky us anyway. So so good on him in that yeah. respect right there. But so, OK, I'll, I'll take that in that does tie into the ep you know the book being something that you haven't done before but the music obviously you know second hand at the first hand at this point with this mm-hmm. crucial moments what's the what's the uh the challenge here because in, in a sense you know you are talking about the past but do you give in to the nostalgia or is there a challenge to try to tell that story you know in a different way from the present well it's a good question because we've been doing this for a long ass time so we We've already faced these. I faced the idea of reinventing us or just doing what we do over and over like 10, 15 years ago was when we first started. <laughs> so now I feel like the short answer, I guess, is to say we've been doing this for so long and we've been having more fun doing it now that we sort of don't even care anymore. <laughs> That's a good answer. I, I guess does that if that makes sense. You know, it's like we don't care if it's, you know, really telling the story we need to tell. What We don't know what the story that is. We don't care if it's too nostalgic or not too nostalgic or, or not. And I think that's why it works because, you know, we've probably written like 15 songs about music. It's like, really? You're going to write – you're going to make music about music. And how many times can you do that, you know? So all this stuff we've kind of like faced off with already, you know, like many different ways. So we just got in a room together and like had a good time. Like we, we always were able to do now. And what is the biggest miracle is that we still like each other. <laughs> That's true. That's absolutely true for any band. But, you know, when you're writing whatever you're writing about, to have something that I guess could be lyrically directed, I mean, it must be nice not to have a completely blank piece of paper you know, as to what yeah. you're going to talk no, it about. Is. Yeah, like, so to be more specific, like Pete, the guitar player, he, the one came up with the original idea for the song Crucial Moments, which he was inspired. Uh, a good friend of ours passed away suddenly, and there was, uh, he was a musician, and uh, Dave Franklin from the band Vision, and um, there was a big, uh, there was a big show kind of in honor of him. And then as soon after he, he was inspired to write about it. So that was the birthing of it. So with the bouncing souls, there's usually, it's always a collaboration, but there's like a primary song writer, usually or a primary idea that someone brings in and we put it in that pot and it gets stirred around with everybody. So that was what happened. And so we, we pushed it beyond this sort of homage to Dave as a friend and a musician to a bigger thing. Like it's about the moments originally it was about moments we shared with Dave. So that's was originally the, the song that Pete wrote, but you know, if you can take it to a bigger place and, and make it more accessible, but still it being about Dave or that, that, or, idea being the, the where it was born from that was sort of the goal 
So yes, you have an idea and like, and then, but no one planned. We didn't know later on, like, Oh, that works as the entire title for the 30 year project. Like we didn't even think about that, you know, so that didn't come to the way later. So it's like a puzzle piecing, I think creating. And so there's a little intention. You're right. There's gotta be a little bit of an intention. There's not a complete blank piece of paper, but it's also a lot of just poke it, stabbing in the dark, you know? Well, you go on to the, what is it? I think it's the next track on there, right? Uh, 1989, which, you know, yeah. s- s- definitely puts the timestamp there. That's that's the year we're talking about as a beginning. But yet, you know, when you look back at the, um, it's the Hopeless Romantic record, had the uh, 87 song on there, too. So is this <laughs> is this a sequel? We were about that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we were joking about that. Now we have to write a 1988. I think someone said that. <laughs> um, just to make it sequential, you know? So, no, that probably was the most intentional, very intentional song. So again, Pete had the original idea. He was like, wait, he really came in with like a full concept, which is not something that normally happens to us. But he was like, I got this kind of an idea, guys. I don't think I'm really self, kind of self-conscious. He was self-conscious about it. He's like, I want to try to write a song in the style that music of what we wrote back then in the late 80s and early 90s. And Man, we we struggled like the stuff. The original first versions of that, we were like, I was like rapping kind of like I did like back then, and now this is like this is horrible. We're like, we're gonna play white guy reggae, like just <laughs> everything that we don't like about music, like. And somehow the most self conscious song became one of our favorite ones. It somehow um, along the way there was magical dust sprinkled on it some at some point and we all got really stoked about it and it's i think it could be maybe the band favorite of the record it's cool when that happens which doesn't it doesn't always happen that way and to point out i mean there are so many fun moments uh, you know on this ep there in and and again it's almost surprising that it's an ep because i feel like i take such a journey and you know maybe that doesn't even matter how many songs are on it you know as long as you're having a good time so i should probably get away from that part of it all but but there are so many big moments and when i look back at you know yeah at this record at any of your records and and you find those huge soaring moments and i don't know what what was it about jersey that made songwriters write anthems because there's Something about yeah. the musicians in that state, you all write these amazing anthems. Yeah, I, I, it's again, this is another like sort of question I've, I've thrown around and tried to answer. And it's, it's definitely because it's a thing and I appreciate you for like noticing it. I don't really know the answer. It's my is my initial answer. I can stab at it. But yeah, like there's a sing along thing. I don't know if it's an East Coast thing and. And we were also very attracted to like the English style sing along, like the Oi Punk and the and the the the, the uh, soccer chant sing along. So we just love that, like just a sing along. And I saw Bruce Springsteen play in Giant Stadium in 1984, and you know witnessed 60,000 people singing the verses to Hungry Heart, which blew my little 14 year old mind yeah. like beyond. Like, I never had I experienced anything like, and still to this day, you know, the song started and he just drops out for the verse and 60,000 people sing, sing the verse. It's, it's like it's musically, as a live music experience, like, how am I going to experience that again? I was 14. I'm done. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to see a show, like, experience that something that good again. So um, it's 
it went deep into my soul. And there I was. I guess it was in New Jersey, and it's something's passed along down that that line. And we were like on on that, you know, searches for that carrot, that ultimate sing along, like. It just feels good. I don't know. Like, why wouldn't you? Like, I went, would go to other places and go out west and stuff and be like, oh, people don't, like, really sing along. Like, oh, you know, like, early on in touring and stuff. And then people would say to me, like, they come to New Jersey from somewhere else, be like, man, everyone's just singing along here. And I was like, why wouldn't you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 I'm sure it is an unfair question, you know, to, to a certain point because – you know, uh, you know what? A state is an imaginary drawn line around a big piece of land. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. you could say similar things about Kentucky, like, oh, why do you all do this or something? But, but sure. something about those musicians, you know, it definitely stands out as a characteristic, uh, you know, for yeah. such a small area, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's again, I, have, I really don't have an answer for you. Yeah. I guess maybe that's why if I did, it probably wouldn't be good. It wouldn't be special <laughs> anymore. <laughs> all right. I'll take that. That's fair. Completely fair. While we're on, you know, what, since this is a lot about an anniversary talk, I, I would love to bring up a couple of the others that are, you know, celebrating this year uh, briefly here anyway, because, you know, your first, I don't know if you call it album or a compilation, but The Good, Bad, and the Argyle it, it turns 25 itself this year. And, yeah. um, you know, with with that one, so that was a grouping of the EPs, or the early EPs. But when you take, mm-hmm. especially, you know, when I look at the covering, uh, what boys like, at a time mm-hmm. when that envelope was being pushed more in the national conversation i don't know if you yeah. felt like you all were stepping out and saying something or was that just a fun song to do it was a little bit like we were more inspired by the uh extreme like male thing that was happening in our scene it was very localized we were reacting to a very localized thing which now it's just like everything is just international like everyone is on the same page which i think is good and bad and equally so we were just responding like and again like it wasn't everything we did back then wasn't very thought out at all but it was just like let's do we didn't want to fit into certain things like we didn't want to be a band that only uh, like a punk band or a hardcore band that like only guys went to their shows which was a lot a big deal back then like you don't even think about it now but we were like if girls aren't at our shows something's not right you know we're not doing something right so we that was probably an idea that came up. We needed a song where like this is just so off the wall and let's just do it. And 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 sort of react against this some part of the scene that we were in that was very male dominated. And then you got of course the other you know, whether we're talking about toxic masculinity or, or so many different right. things as you're saying that have become in that you know, worldwide yeah. conversation. I mean, that's you come a long way. You, you say you, you said which is good and bad. I, I mean, what what did you mean by that? I mean, like not that aspect of it. I mean that because of the internet and social media, we all can find out immediately what's happening everywhere, all at once. Everyone, you know, because like as opposed to like more like reacting and responding and and interacting in your own local world. Again, like. I think it's good. You know, it's good on many levels that people have cameras and can tape injustices and those kind of things. And it, everyone can see them almost immediately like that. And that one thing it makes the world potentially a very different place. Uh, and people are going to act differently because there's cameras everywhere you go. Right. You have to. I live out in the mountains and I'm still I'm like assuming that there's cameras everywhere. I'm not paranoid about it. I just it's a reality. So. I just mean like that on that level. Like, so back then we were just responding to like what was happening on the shows we went to, you know, 
<laughs> very, a very localized thing. But, you know, now, you know, you, you're going to be able to, like, get on the Internet and, and hear about stories and things that are happening negative, positive to people all over the place. So I think it's good to know about those things, but you, it's really also a wormhole, too, like, that helps that will, you know, you just got to get out of that and stay in your lo- in your localized moment in your world and do what you can in, in, in where you are. So that's the I think a conversation that is a big conversation that everyone talks about with like social media and internet and like young generation of people who are just brought up in that world. Yeah, that that'll tie into the next one because you know mm-hmm. go down the line in hopeless romantic that's going to celebrate its its twentieth this year too. And yeah. here's here's an interesting balanced record because you've got some really important things that you are singing about occasionally through the album, and it is balanced with you know some some good time fun. But yeah. I don't know how you feel about the 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 genre title, but you know pop punk was having a big moment right now, and people were listening. But it feels like to me sure. that it was a lot of people wanting to hear that party music, and and did it ever sure. feel like it was hard to get that message out when you wanted to? When you know, you know, I, I don't know. Blink One Eighty Two is running naked down the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah, I think we definitely felt a little bit of a a, a burn from like the Blink One Eighty Two, and and we're friends with those guys. Like Tom has a Bouncing Souls tattoo, mm-hmm. like, so we came before them, and they were fans to some extent, and then they blew up, and then we were just like they were so low, lowest common denominator on stage, you know, we're just like, wow, really? They're just like the girls, like the topless girls and the bras and like, just like, wow, you're just like, you know, cause back then in the nineties, man, the political correctness of punk was like extreme, you know? And so we were trying to navigate our way through that and that they just were just like, Oh, not carrying any of that torch uh, from punk at all. Like right. some sort of just a little integrity. Yeah. Is, and, and yeah, you know, we were like back then. We were definitely bad mouthing those guys and being like, "That sucks." And of course, because you know, we're like, "All right, that's part of why they're so big." You know, like lowest common denominator. You know, by by reputation, it, it, it makes it in some way to the mainstream. Some part and some part. But that's part of the reason why. And, and whether you like it or not, again, these are all just theories that we went with. You know. <laughs> And would that um, uh, would that would that uh, change your trajectory as to as you what are, what you wrote about and how you wrote you know after kind yeah. of seeing that reaction from fans? No, I mean you play a game for sure, like especially back then. Like first record you ever did, you had no idea, you have no fans, there's no pressure. You're just it's free. You're, you're the freest you're ever going to be. Then you get out on the road, you play a bunch of songs. People like this song, they don't like that song. Suddenly, all that's in your brain. You're just like, okay, I can't get this out of my brain now. They like this song. They don't like that song. Suddenly, you cannot block that away from your songwriting process. So, yes, again, we always referenced the stuff that we felt we liked. So what bands do I like? I like bands that make me feel good. I like going to a show and feeling like something liberating, you know, free my spirit, you know, like whether it's rock or whatever the music style is. I need someone who is really coming from somewhere that's just them, you know? So it doesn't really matter what they're singing about. (laughs) I mean, some sort of truth, you know, like it doesn't have to be political truth. It can be a political truth. It can be personal truth. It can be any truth that feels like it's real. It's like something deep then is exchanged in a human way that we can share. 
so we were all about exploring all those things, like, and trying to find those in ourselves. So it was always a personal journey. And I think that was our success. So all three of us or four of us and all the guys that have been in the band, it's about trying to relate some real personal thing. If it's about how we feel about the state of the world, or if it's just how we just want to celebrate having a good time together, like, which we've written, written the silliest dumb songs about, about that, which purposely we did, we did because, you know, what is music for, but to bring people together, even if it's on a common thread, that's not, it does not considered to be a smart way, but uh, just this, the, the idea of being, sharing a moment and having a good time together. Like, We've written a million songs about that too. This this question then might not work at all, considering you know what you just said, and especially you know why this crucial moments record exists in, in the type of songs that it does. But you know, does an EP like this clean the slate in any way for the next record? You're like, okay, that's put to bed. Now let's do this. Uh, I think we we probably passed that benchmark a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. you know, I think you know, in each of us as individuals too. I know. Each person in the beginning had an agenda musically, and that you know that's what happens when bands are just like don't get along or they you know creative differences and stuff. And I think we worked through that to the point where we're all just like each of us created a record that we're like I'm happy now. I I did this is now I can hear this and I, this is what I wanted. I felt like I didn't know I wanted, and now there it is. So we passed that a long time ago, and it's that's why we enjoy making music more now because there's no agendas, you know. And, to be in a group of creators where there's no agenda is also not a very common scenario. Right. I mean, to hear a band that's comfortable in their skin. Again, you know, I listened to this with, with ease and, and enjoyed every second of it. You're, you're, you're right. And, and I don't want to sell it like, I don't want that to sound dumb, I guess. I'm afraid that it does, you know, and that's not what I'm getting at at all. I get it. I'm not a, uh, it's, I, in this world, if you can put on music that's not, complicating your brain with all kinds of crap and actually sort of freeing up your mind a little bit, I consider that, you know, a, a success, you know? So mm-hmm. when you take this out on the road, I mean, will the live show be specifically reflective in a different way than any of the other spanning sets? Uh, we're trying to incorporate some stories. Uh, we're doing a sort of, uh, we're calling it the Hopeless Romantic Club. So before some of our headlining shows, we're doing like a five to six song acoustic set, and you can buy a, a ticket to just see the acoustic set because we really wanted to do acoustic stuff, but sometimes it doesn't work. We've toyed with it on our rock set for years, and and uh, like, why well, don't we just do an acoustic set earlier in the you know around doors or before doors? And uh, that's what we're doing. So that's sort of a acoustic song slash like telling a couple stories, and then. A little bit of that will leak into the rock set. No acoustic stuff, but we're going to do some, uh, try to incorporate some stories just to acknowledge the 30 years, even if it's a couple of little short ones. Dude, no, that's exciting. Uh, I hope to see one of those. I really do. Uh, yeah. I, I can't give you the, enough compliments on this, Greg. Uh, crucial moments. I appreciate um, that. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Thanks, it's a lot of fun talking to you, too. Thanks for uh, taking the time today. Uh, I really appreciate uh, you having me. Thanks, Kyle. Anytime, man. Take care, and we'll see you around. Okay, bye. Big old thanks to Greg of the Bouncing Souls. That new record is called Crucial Moments. 
All right. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button before you get out of here. Again, you can uh, subscribe to us on YouTube, on Spotify, anywhere you get your favorite podcasts from. That includes iTunes and Apple Podcasts. After that, head over to WFPK.org where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern, where you can also find some bonus episodes of this series. Then you can head to consequenceofsound.net, where you can find all of your music and film news. You can find me at Twitter, at Kyle Meredith, and Facebook, slash Kyle Meredith. Does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.